I joined tomorrow. It was twenty-two years ago, and I was just twenty. How time passes! It was one of the happiest days of my life. Fancy, second mate for the first time, a really responsible officer. I wouldn't have thrown up my new billet for a fortune. The mate looked me over carefully. He was also an old chap, but of another stamp. He had a Roman nose, a snow-white long beard, and his name was Mahon. But he insisted that it should be pronounced Man. He was well connected, but there was something wrong with his luck, and he never got on. As to the captain, he had been for years in coasters, then in the Mediterranean, and last in the West Indian trade. He had never been round the capes. He could just write a kind of sketchy hand, and didn't care for writing at all. Both were thorough good seamen, of course, and between those two old chaps, I felt like a small boy between two grandfathers. The ship also was old. Her name was the Judea. Queer name, isn't it? She belonged to a man, Wilmer Wilcox, some name like that. But he's been bankrupt and dead these twenty years or more, and his name doesn't matter. She'd been laid up in Shadwell Basin for ever so long. You may imagine her state. She was all rust, dust, grime, soot aloft, soot on deck. To me, it was like coming out of a palace into a ruined cottage. She was about four hundred tons, had a primitive windlass, wooden latches to the doors, not a bit of brass about her, and a big square stern. There was on it, below her name, in big letters, a lot of scroll work with a gilt off, and some kind of a coat of arms with the motto "Do or Die" underneath. I remember it took my fancy immensely. There was a touch of romance in it, something that made me love the old thing. Something that appealed to my youth. We left London in ballast, sand ballast, to load a cargo of coal in a northern port for Bangkok. Bangkok! I thrilled. I'd been six years at sea, but had only seen Melbourne and Sydney. Very good places, charming places in their way. But Bangkok! We worked out of the Thames under canvas with a North Sea pilot on board. His name was German, and he dodged all day long about the galley, drying his handkerchief before the stove. Apparently, he never slept. He was a dismal man with a perpetual tear sparkling at the end of his nose. Who either had been in trouble, or was in trouble, or expected to be in trouble, couldn't be happy unless something went wrong. He mistrusted my youth, my common sense, and my seamanship, and made a point of showing it in a hundred little ways. I dare say he was right. It seems to me I knew very little then, and I know not much more now. But I cherish a hate for that German to this day. We were a week. Working up as far as Yarmouth Roads, and then we got into a gale—the famous October gale of twenty-two years ago. It was wind, lightning, sleet, snow, and a terrific sea. We were flying light, and you may imagine how bad it was when I tell you we'd smashed bulwarks and a flooded deck. On the second night, she shifted her ballast into the lee bow, and by that time we'd been blown off somewhere on the Dogger Bank. There was nothing for it but to go below with shovels and try to right her. And there we were in that vast hold, gloomy like a cavern. The tallow dips stuck and flickering on the beams, the gale howling above, the ship tossing about like mad on her side. There we all were: German, the captain, everyone, hardly able to get our feet, engaged in that gravedigger's work and trying to toss shovelfuls of wet sand up to windward. At every tumble of the ship, you could see vaguely in the dim light men falling down with a great flourish of shovels. One of the ship's boys—we had two—impressed by the weirdness of the scene, wept as if his heart would break. We could hear him blubbering somewhere in the shadows. On the third day, the gale died out, and by and by, a north country tug picked us up. 
we took sixteen days in all to get from London to the Tyne. When we got into dock, we'd lost our turn for loading, and they hauled us off to a tier where we remained for a month. Mrs. Beard, the captain's name was Beard, came from Colchester to see the old man. She lived on board. The crew of runners had left, and there remained only the officers, one boy, and the steward, a mulatto who answered to the name of Abraham. Mrs. Beard was an old woman, with a face all wrinkled and ruddy like a winter apple, and the figure of a young girl. She caught sight of me once, sewing on a button, and insisted on having my shirts to repair. This was something different from the captain's wives I had known on board crack clippers. When I brought her the shirts, she said, And the socks? They want mending, I'm sure, and John's, Captain Beard's things are all in order now. I would be glad of something to do. Bless the old woman. She overhauled my outfit for me, and meantime I read for the first time Sartor Rosatus and Burnaby's Ride to Kiva.